Jordan, glad to see you all. I'm wearing glasses today so that you'll take me more serious. Uh, just wanted to feel like I'm not, you know, taking me serious around here. And uh, keep trying to preach longer so that you guys will take me serious and you don't listen. I even tucked my shirt in today. I do have a vest on hiding all that macaroni and cheese I ate at Thanksgiving. But other than that, I'm glad, glad you're here. Um, so I've, I've been pondering. Uh, this is kind of the end of the year. We're getting ready for Christmas Eve. But this actually will be the last sermon, I mean, I'll do Christmas Eve, that I'll preach to you all this year. Um, I'll be here next weekend, but Pastor Gary will be preaching, helping you with spiritual formation, which is really, really helpful. You should be here for it. Um, but as I kind of thought through it, I've been a little nostalgic thinking about this past year and started like calculating the numbers. And if uh, you participated uh, in uh, the services, whether that's here in person because you're godly or you listened online for whatever reason, uh, that, that's a joke. Um, if you have listened to the sermons this year, sat in here online, whatever, it just once, just once, not twice. I know a lot of you listened to like two or three times. Y'all are really good people. Um, but those of you that listened just once, you would have listened to, you ready for this? 3,000 minutes of preaching this past year. That is 180,000 seconds. Now let me help you understand what that is. Um, in a very conservative estimate, uh, the average communicator, uh, teacher, whatever, preaches about 120, 530 to 160 words per minute. Okay? I don't know where I am on that. But <laughs> we'll just go a little bit on the high end, right? So let's say 180 words a minute, 3,000 minutes. That is... 540,000 words that you've had to listen to, that you've digested. 540,000 words, over a half million words have come out of my mouth towards you guys this year, and that is a lot. I, I Actually, this past year in 2019, I finally finished up doctoral work and wrote a dissertation. My dissertation actually was 50, 54,000 words. So this is 10 times the length of a doctoral uh, dissertation that you've kind of worked through over the last year. And that is a lot, a lot, a lot of words. Get all that. And uh, it's taken me even a long time to communicate the lot of words, right? It's a lot of words. So I thought, okay, why do we, why is that? I mean, they're long sermons. They're all that kind of stuff. And there's actually a, a real reason for it. Um, it's because if these words in God's Bible are true, right, if they're actually true, if they actually are uh, the way that the scriptures tell us, that his words are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. If, if we could understand these and digest them and apply them, it could and has, for many of us, transformed our lives, our marriages, our families, our eternity, all those things. And so every single one of those words, the hope is that somehow it would help you understand how much God loves you. In fact, it, it's so complicated that there's a lot of things I'd love to talk to you about that we usually don't. Like, for example, one, if you're a first-time guest, really want to spend time helping you feel comfortable, make sure you know there's nothing we're expecting of you. And kind of part of that complication is at the end of the service, you'll walk out and there'll be strangers. Hopefully, they'll become your friends at some point. And they'll be standing there with baskets, just like you're walking down, you know, city streets with baskets of people looking for money, right? And you're going to walk out there and you're going, am I supposed to give money to this? Am I supposed to tip? And what do I do here? Are they going to shake me down? You know, I got, got all that stuff. And would love to take time each week and go, hey, hey, there's no, no pressure there. No, what we hope happens at some point is God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And we hope that happens at some point that you go, God, I want to trust God with everything. But even that, it's like, we don't have enough time to cover all that because I want you to understand these words. I want you to get as much of the Bible as you can each and every week. And as I think about that, I think, well, it's kind of interesting because we're in this series and, uh, called Wonder and 
kind of the, the big idea of the whole thing is what would it look like to just stop and think and consider this story? The story of a baby, a God becoming a baby, growing into a man, declaring that he's God, declaring that he came to take away the sins of the world, declaring that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and then being murdered for those claims, and then coming back to life to prove that what he says is true. Like, what would it really look like if we really, really got that? Not like kind of got it, not like sort of got it, but really, really. What would the implications and ramifications for our life be if we really believed every part of the story? Right? So many of us are going, we just want God to tell us. God, would you speak? And he's going, I took 1,600 years, lots and lots of authors, to pin the words of my heart for you, how much I love you, the kind of rescue plan I was going to do for you, and how it all played out for you to know that you're loved beyond measure. It says in Psalm 45, listen, O daughter. It's talking about the, the, the bride. That's all of us. Consider, consider and give ear. Like Paul's, forget your people in your father's house. In other words, hey, forget everything you've thought and understood. Forget all this. For the king, the God of the universe is enthralled, is the word that's used in the, is the word ava in the Hebrew, meaning God is captivated by you. For the king is enthralled by your beauty. He's enthralled with his people he's created. And he so longs for us to live and that reality that we are made in God's image and likeness and he has a beautiful plan for us not just for today or tomorrow but for all eternity and the last part of Psalm 45 10 11 says so honor him for he's your Lord so what would it look like for us to actually do these things and here's a complicated thing I'm afraid that 540,000 words would uh, create an environment here where I'm speaking you got to stay up to speed with what I'm thinking and saying and so therefore there's not much not, not many moments in all this where you get to pause and while I'm not going to promise that's going to change, uh, two weeks from now we'll be back at it. But it does make sense that just for a moment, we'd actually pause to stop and think the way that Mary, when she heard this news that she was going to have Emmanuel, Jesus, that she was going to birth this child, it says she wondered. Wondered. And so tonight, today we're going to do it a little different. And there's going to be some space where you're going to get to wonder. And this isn't going to be normal. And it's going to be a little strange. Um, but it won't be awkward for you. We're not going to make you do anything weird. We're not going to cut the lights out and just have you sit in silence. None of that kind of stuff. But it does make sense that we just pause for a second and consider words. Now the interesting thing is you've gotten 540,000 words. Um, the Bible tells us that... In the beginning, there was the Word, and that was God, and these directions. And one of the beautiful things about what it says in John's Gospel, one of the writers of Jesus' biography, is that that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Meaning there's something about this God who dwells among us that we should consider. And So what we've been doing the last couple of weeks, we've been reading through uh, the beginning parts of the Gospel of Luke. If you're not familiar, Luke is a biographer about Jesus. Uh, we would say he's inspired um, uh, by God, directed by God to give us uh, this biography of Jesus' life. But Luke was a medical doctor turned investigative journalist. Spent a couple years interviewing eyewitnesses uh, to make some conclusions about who Jesus is. He stopped and thought and wondered and pondered and considered. And at the end of all that consideration, he wrote some beautiful words. And he tells us in the beginning of Luke, the reason he, that he writes these words is because many people have talked about this truth. And he said he wrote these words so that we could be certain of the truth of this. Certain of the truth of the story of who God is and who Jesus is. And here's the most beautiful part of it is if words write stories, God wrote our story. And the most beautiful part of the, the story is that God then steps into our story. He steps into our story. 
And so he steps into our story, and then Luke writes the story of Jesus. Not so that, one, so we can understand that Jesus steps onto this timeline, he steps into our life, and steps into our story. But at a greater level, he also writes it so that we could consider our role and our part in his story. Right? And so there's this beautiful thing that happens in the Gospel of Luke where all these kind of worlds are colliding so that we can see where all humanity is now colliding with God's redemptive rescue story and inviting us back to the life that we always wish we had. The life that we've always longed for. And he does this. And the way that he does it is really neat. So he says, I write this so you can be certain. And then he's going to kind of highlight moments where the power of God, actually through an angel, intersects with people's life. Like You see these different moments. And so in Luke chapter 1, the first one we saw was a, a, an old barren couple long beyond the ages of being able to have kids. And God shows up and says, I'm going to give you a gift, but this isn't the greatest gift. This is going to point to the greatest gift, and you're going to have a child. And he uses this angel to show up and say it. And uh, through some circumstances, we see a couple weeks ago, I don't have time to cover them now. You can go back and listen. Zechariah is so suspicious of this and goes, there's no way. And God literally um, strikes her mute and deaf for over nine months. Why? So many words. So many words. So many words, right? And no time to pause and stop and think. And so Zechariah gets these nine months to consider the implications and ramifications of what would happen if this story was all true. And what if, would happen if everything that God did, said he would actually do. And we see finally uh, later on in Luke chapter 1 when uh, they have John the Baptist kind of the one who's going to show up kind of as the trumpeteer to declare Jesus' grace and love. He's the one that's going to say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When the baby's born, finally you see Zechariah praise God and break out in song. He had nine months to stop and think and consider. And then his response is worship. Then while this is going on, you're going to see the same angel interact in a different person's life. That's Mary and comes and says, Hey, you're going to give birth to a baby. And it's a crazy story. That God is going to show up as a baby and the beautiful part of that is he's going to show up in all the vulnerability of all the, in all the world, right? And you know this and if you know anything about uh, making deep connections and relationships, there's that moment where someone gets vulnerable with you and in that moment there's this deep, what seemed like even in a fight you have with your spouse or with your kids, you're trying to prove them wrong, tell them whatever, they're trying to tell you these things and there's just like this pong battle going back, back, back and forth and all of a sudden there's that moment where either you or they go, yeah, you're right. Man, I wish I'd have done that differently. And in that moment, you see all like the, the anger and the vitriol kind of fall off. And it's in that vulnerability where you connect. And God, in the most vulnerable way, shows up and as a baby. And he tells Mary that's going to happen. And it says Mary wondered and considered and, you know, had some doubts. But basically said, I'm going to give in and I'm going to trust this. See the most beautiful story, baby's born, and so we're going to see that play out. What's interesting is when we think about this Christmas story, we think about all the pageantry that comes with it, all the pretty pageantry, all the crazy parts of it. And so Luke, this author, this writer, writing Jesus' Bible story, writing his life for us, he starts in the, you know, some peculiar ways, first with a shepherd, or first with Zechariah, a priest, then with a teenage girl, and he's going to nail pan the scene with another angel to a really, really interesting place. So let me just read this to you real quick, and I'll explain to you what we're going to do afterwards. But this is Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And so Luke, the investigative journalist, is trying to help us understand what's going on in this story. And this is how he starts. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This is really neat. This is Luke giving us a footnote going, hey, the idea is you have to understand that God actually enters human timelines. And if you're wondering when this is, Luke is writing, he's giving you a footnote to go, you can actually go back in human history and see exactly when this happens. 
You can read uh, secular works like Josephus and see when this moment happens. Like this is a real moment in history. So Luke's going, hey, you can trust this. This isn't the pageantry. This isn't like the mystical. This is real story and real life. Here's where it is. This is Caesar Augustus. By the way, Caesar's dad, uh, Augustus, thought he was God, right? So he would declare that this is the son of God. So interesting, just the, the nuances of what's going on here. This guy who calls himself the son of God is actually creating a way by which the son of God is going to enter this world. So, so crazy. Um, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So hey, here's some more footnotes for you. And everyone went to their own uh, town to register. So hey, we need to make sure that uh, we know every single human being who is in our province, in our kingdom. Why? Because we need to tax them. We need to make sure that they're accounted for, right? All those things. So there's this census that happens. So it says this verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Oh, why? Because he belonged to the house and line of David. So Joseph, from this lineage, comes from this great king, David. There, uh, this, And so what happened is, is you would go back to your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather's hometown. This is, he's from Nazareth, but uh, David's from Bethlehem, and so Joseph's going to go, and because this is, he's engaged to be married, he's not just going to go by himself, he's going to uh, take his wife, and this is what it says next. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. You know, in Luke chapter 1, that child is Jesus. There's all sorts of complications you can see in the other uh, gospel writing about Joseph wrestling with this, but here we see the two of them, and this what seems like a, um, you know, just a coincidental moment. But God is writing this story, writing the story, lots of words to get it to this place. And so now all of a sudden we have the scene and the setting. We have the history and the timeline. And so they are in Bethlehem. And you know what happens if you're familiar with the story. But let me read it to you. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she, that's Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. That's Jesus, by the way. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, So there's this, sometimes they use the word in. I think that's a, a pretty bad interpretation. Um, this isn't like some mean guy going, no, you can't sleep here. The reality is that everybody's traveling. David's got a big lineage. There's a lot of people coming to Bethlehem to come do the census. And the way it worked in that world, there wasn't hostels, there wasn't hotels, there wasn't any of those things. And so you stayed with relatives. So fortunately, probably because Mary and Joseph are coming late to this deal, they, uh, all, all the guest bedrooms are kind of taken. And so they're going to put them in, in, in Middle Eastern culture there. They would have had this kind of barn. It wouldn't have been way out in the distance. Probably would have been almost like a, underneath the house, you know, like an under the house garage probably a better picture where they would keep the animals, store the animals, feed the animals, and they go, we don't have any other room for you, but you can sleep there, right? And so they find themselves in this place with the animals. They're brought in at night, and so this baby is born, and then we see that it's wrapped in cloths and in a manger. Yeah. So that you understand, this is the God of the universe being born. Now imagine this. Luke, the writer of all this, would want you to believe the truth of who this is, right? Now he's in Bethlehem. He could have pointed to David. He could have actually gone back and Luke could have pointed to all kind of the, the uniqueness of this moment, right? How this would have been um, like an incredible prophecy to be fulfilled. That he could have really talked about how precious this baby is. And you notice here, it just says, came to, uh, the, for the baby to be born. That's it. Doesn't talk about the Messiah. Doesn't declare any of those things. He just literally kind of Calls it what it is. Baby in a stall, in a trough, born the end. And you go, 
Okay, remember, Luke has clearly said that he's writing all this for us to be certain of the truth of this. So now all of a sudden, God enters our timeline and he gives him just a couple quick verses. Right? He gave Zechariah a lot more verses. He gave Mary a lot more verses. And in this moment, all we know is baby's born. And you would think that he would stop and celebrate. He should sing a song. Someone else should sing a song. Something could happen. But that's not what happens at all. Immediately after this baby's born, putting in a manger. This is a huge deal, guys. Like he's, the God of the universe just entered our world as a vulnerable baby. Immediately, Luke, the director of writing this, right? The executive producer of the Gospel of Luke, he knows what he wants to have happen next. And what he does next is he pans and turns the scene to something completely different. The God of the universe is laying in a cow trough, and Luke decides that he wants you to know something different. So if he's going to do that, you've got to pause and go, well, why in the world does he do this? There's got to be something significant here. If the God of the universe is laying in a cow trough, but he wants to direct your attention, your focus, and your thoughts, he wants you to actually stop and think and consider something different. So watch what he does next. Verse 8, baby's born, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. We have three angel sightings, interactions, and every, all three times they're terrified. So here's what we got. We got three different sets of people, Zechariah, then Mary, and now these shepherds, and all of them come to this, uh, you know, this collision course with the God of the universe. This messenger, these angels go, you got to pause and stop and think and consider. We have some really good news for you. So this is three different times, three different responses, except for one thing. We know in the beginning of all three, it literally says they're terrified. And then the angel, you know this now, always responds with this. Do not be afraid. Why? Watch this. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Baby's just been born. The God of the universe is laying in a cow trough. Luke doesn't want you to focus on that right now. What does he want you to focus on? This message that's coming to these shepherds. Now, um, first century writers would have understood this. Shepherds is not a cool thing. Right? This is, this is a horrible job. About hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, when the Jews kind of had their own land and it was an agrarian society, it had a little bit more prominence and prestige. When David was a shepherd, it's different. But at this point, no one says, I want to be a shepherd. This is kind of by default the last job you'd want. It's miserable. You live with sheep. You live with sheep. You don't get to go to the synagogue. You don't get to go to the local parades. You don't get to go to the local taverns. You don't get doing that. You are with sheep always. So these guys would just be with sheep always. They were um, roughnecks, not educated, and honestly, uh, pretty redneck white trash, if that's the culture there. But they're not. They're Middle Eastern, but I can't say that because I'm... Anyway, so, um, so this, is a, this is a culture of just really broken people with no hope, no future, nothing, right? And so God decides to show up in this moment. And when he shows up with the angel and when Luke writes it, he wants you to know that he's showing up to these guys that really were considered less than human. Two-thirds of a human probably, right? Even if they were to witness something egregious like a murder and there would be a trial and, the, and, and three or four shepherds would go, we were all there. We saw it was that man. They'd go, doesn't really matter because you're a shepherd. You're not a real human. You're less than human. Your words don't count. So these are guys with no hope, and now all of a sudden this angel shows up and goes, there's some good news, and shepherds are going, we haven't heard good news in a really long time. It should bring great joy, and we're like, we don't even know what great joy is. Maybe that first sip of the bottle feels like great joy, but it never works out that way. Right? This is, we haven't heard good news. We don't understand what great joy is, and all of a sudden the shepherd then you know, qualifies it and goes, it's for all people, meaning this is for you. This is you. This will be for you. Good news, great joy for all people. And I'm just, if this is where Luke draws our attention, it would make sense 
that we would ponder and consider that as well. There's two things to kind of consider when we think about good news, great joy for all people. First, we've got to work through the good news, great joy piece, right? Like, do you really think that baby being born is really that good of news? The God of the universe stepping into our story and inviting us into this is really that good news? Do you really have great joy? If not, why not? So we've got we to think about that for a second. The other side is for all people. No, those two sides think about for all people. That means for you. Like, do you believe this story was written for you to be in God's story? You, you, regardless of your background, regardless of your circumstances, like this story is for you. Like, this is one of the, the interesting things. We always say Jesus is the reason for the season, which is true, but it's only half true. The real reason for the season is you. Right? This is good news, great joy for all people. Do you believe that applies to you? Like, this news is good for you. Regardless of whether you believe all this stuff, regardless of whether you go to church a couple times a year, whatever it is, this news for you. Have you paused to consider whether that's true? And then, we consider that it's also true for the people you don't like. The people that look different than you. The boss who's annoying. Your ex. The people who persecuted you, whispered about you. Do you believe this good news of great joy is not just for you, it's also for them? And so when Jesus kind of um, helped us consider words, he does something beautiful. And what he does throughout the scriptures is he tells parables. Okay? And the parables are pretty unique in that the parables usually help us when we're not ready to do it, not ready to process it, not ready to stop and think. Helps us kind of ease into a story and then finds our part in the story. And usually in a parable what happens is there's someone that represents us and humanity, us and other people, right, in those interactions. And there's usually someone that represents Jesus and God. Now, he doesn't come out and say that you know, blatantly, but he just kind of goes, here, here, let me ease you in and help you stop and think and consider and wonder. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to show you a modern-day parable. Okay, just not from the scriptures. Because it's complicated when we think about, you know, some of the, the parables that are, you know, about agrarian society and shepherds, and it's hard for us to kind of fit in that. And so we're going to look at a modern-day Christmas Eve parable called The Ride. So what's going to happen is the video's going to come up, and you're going to watch it for a while. You can get comfortable. It's going to be several minutes, and then I'll come back up, make some points, and then we'll finish it up. But I want you to for a second, and it, this, these folks are going to speak a lot slower than I've just had. There's some reason for that. I want you to get some space in all this to pause and consider. So here's the ride written and directed by Dallas Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, great. We'll pop the champagne in the office after the first. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too. Yeah. They caved. Just like I told you they would. Nothing like closing your biggest deal at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Oh, feels good! My partner thought we lost him, but I, I knew we had it. But I knew we had it, you know? Thought you guys liked making conversation. That will cost you extra. <laughs> Up here's fine. Man, it's gonna be this cold. You think it'd at least be white too? Am I right? Yeah. All right, that'll be eighteen fifty. Keep the change. Merry Christmas.
far past what you asked me for. You got me on the chatterbox shift as it is. How can you take just one more? You don't have to give me a Christmas present. <laughs> The hotel? No. Is that a problem? No. All right, let's go. church and then it's bedtime it's fine church we do a really nice christmas eve service why aren't you there i had to fill in last minute and plus the time and a half doesn't hurt not a church goer not for a long time yeah why not think I have the money for how long it would take me to tell you. I think you'd like our church. I don't think I'd last five minutes in a place like that. How do you know? Experience. So I'll just reset the meter when we leave. Whatever. It'll, it'll just take me a second, okay? You got plenty of gas, man. You know, um, a lot of these places shut down early for Christmas Eve, so... 
train station pickup guy, he's not doing so great. Go bet him dropping the cat. He's not sick. He, I mean, he just seems a little up, upset or something. I think he's up to something. Should I, should I do anything? What do you mean? I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking if maybe I should. Look, the pace take them where they want to go. What they do after they get out is not business. Since when do you care about passengers anyway? Forget it, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Everything good? Yeah, yeah, fine. Just a fair dispute. Pump shut off. Then I guess we're good to go. Yeah, I guess so. surface streets I guess probably take us another 30 minutes I won't you won't be charged extra I don't care about the money <sighs> yeah, I think it was gonna be this cold at least it would be white right <laughs> around you want one i don't want to eat man okay just take me where i asked you to take me come on i've been stuck in this cab all day i miss my mom's famous for us tonight you know it's christmas eve it'd be nice to grab a bite with someone other than myself you know so my treat my treat unless i'm holding you up for being with your family then why not i guess you know I could use the smoke anyway. Yeah? Yeah. Chocolate glaze, heat them up, Chris. Okay. They're in the oven five minutes, but they'll be hot when they come out. Is that okay? No, that's perfect. Okay. Thanks. You? Everything is good here. 
right? Yeah. Still water. That's it? Is that a problem? Yeah. Suit yourself. Okay. Thank you. Hey, so do you have anybody to celebrate Christmas with? I'm Jewish. Really? No. <sighs> Tomorrow we're gonna spend the whole day at my mother's. You know, she loves Christmas. She does that thing with the with the stairs and the stockings, you know, she hangs the stockings, the kids open them, and, you know, we, we eat this stuff called monkey bread. I don't know if you've ever had it, but it, it'll turn your gut into a front porch. Blammo, just like that. You know, then we open the presents, and, you know, we, we uh, watch A Wonderful Life, have eggnog, the whole thing. It's really, it's really something. You know, and there's something about watching my girls at Christmas. And, anyway, it's, it's really something. You got, you got kids? No. Somebody's missing you tonight. Hey, are your parents around? Not around me. Yeah. Uh, where? It's as simple as it looks. No wife. No kids. Haven't seen or spoken to my family in years. <laughs> I, I don't know the first thing about you. No, you really don't. I'm sorry.
you. Merry Christmas. Hey. Let's go. stretch is fine. You never know. The stretch is fine. Just get on. Let's go. Fine. you're about to do. What are you talking about? I know what this water does about 50 yards downriver, and I know you're not here for the romantic view. Get back in your cab and go. No. What is it with you? Why are you doing this? I, I can't not. Believe me, I would rather ignore you because it's what I normally do. That's a better plan. Can we just talk? I mean, what's the rush? There's nothing to talk about. I don't know you, and you sure don't know me. Well, I don't need to know you to know that this isn't necessary. I mean, 
whatever you've done, life... Oh, yeah, yeah, life is worth living. Mm, you can get through this. God cares about you. Don't give me that crap, okay? This isn't uh, a TV episode or one of your Sunday school lessons. Okay. One minute. Then I'll leave you alone. Is this your hometown? Yeah. Your parents live around here? Yeah. Why won't you see them? They won't see me. How do you know? Trust me. They're your parents. If you knew me, you'd get it, and you'd leave me alone. Isn't that what you want? Okay. How's this? Uh, wasting the money my parents spent on my drug rehab by getting kicked out twice. Getting a girl I met there pregnant, which is bad enough, but then uh, denying them their first grandchild by, you know, making it go away. And the kicker, uh, getting drunk at my brother's wedding and then cussing out my mom in front of the family. And that's just a glimpse. Do you like that resume? And not exactly going to get me an interview with a dad who's a church elder. I'm sorry. I bet you are. Last thing he said to me was, don't come back until I get myself together. So, how do I look? That's what I thought. Now, please. I love my kids. I love my kids, you know? Whatever they did, I mean, no matter what I said about it in the moment, I would, I, I would never not want them to come back, never. They're not perfect, but neither am I. I would always want it to work out. Are, are you sorry about what's happened? Are you sorry? Do you regret it? No. No, I'm proud of it. Well, how am I supposed to know? How would I know? Of course I regret it. Of course I'm sorry about it. Look at me. I have nothing. Does he know that? That you're sorry? I don't know. What am I supposed to say? Hey, Dad. You were right. I was wrong. Sorry. Yeah. That's not bad. It's a little more complicated than that. No, it's not. If, if he's a normal father, and especially if he goes to any kind of decent church, then he'll know what grace is. He will know, and if so, he will give it. Listen, listen, I, listen, I'll, look, I'll, I'll take you by his place. You, you know, you, you, 
give him a call, we'll drive by. If, if, if it doesn't work or, or he's not there or whatever, then I will drop you wherever you want to go and I will leave you alone. modern-day parable, and uh, the way a parable works is usually you're just supposed to identify yourself in the story, identify God in the story. About uh, We keep hearing about this father. That's not you. That You'll see in a little while. That's God. And, but um, there are two different people here, and it makes sense that as we consider the <coughs> implications and ramifications of grace and the story that you would identify which one you are. Are you the one who has no hope? And this is a beautiful story for you to understand how much you're loved and planned. Or are you the one helping someone else find hope? Or perhaps you're doing both, which is all right. So where is hope found? Uh, the angel shows up and says, I bring you good news, great joy of all people. What is that good news? What is that great joy? And here's what he says. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Why don't you hear this real quick? Uh, today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Meaning if you're hopeless, you think there is no way there is someone who's come to rescue you. That's what Savior means. Now, when the angel says this to the shepherds, he's going, there is a Savior. There is a way out. There is a way back in. There is, there is still hope and life available to you. And the way you find it is this. He is the Messiah, meaning this has always been the plan. God never expected you to have it all figured out, shepherds. God never expected that. He is the Savior. He's going to save the day. He's the Messiah. This has been the plan since the beginning. And last part of this, he's the Lord. Meaning the only solution for this is that Jesus becomes the boss of all of it. Jesus comes to the boss, so are you looking for hope? It's going to be found in Jesus. Are you, are you trying to help other people find hope? You're going to have to point them to Jesus, right? This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. So, what kind of sign are you looking for here? You're going to see that show up in just a second. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. So, what are you looking for? Peace. When you point people towards peace. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I think this is wise, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go back to Chicago and see what happens. So here's the last part of the ride. Want me to step out? No, it's fine. Okay. Go ahead. Now? Just give it a try. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is that he... that he doesn't answer or he hangs up. Either way, you're no worse off.
Just give a minute, just in case. I'll, I'll take the long way. There's a surprise. Mind if I put on some Christmas music?
There's a card in there with the contact info from my church. You know, we've got help for this kind of thing if you want it. Oh, oh okay. So, uh, what do I owe you here? Come on. Merry Christmas. for the dispatch. Come in, 84. Are you on your way back? Actually, I was wondering. You got any more for me? I've seen this a half dozen times in the last three days and I cannot not cry, right? Why? Because that's just good news of great joy for all people, right? The story of the gospel is there's nothing you could ever do to make God love you any less. Like that's good news of great joy. It's not a baby in a manger. That's true, but this it points to a bigger story and the story is this. John tells us it this way, for God so loved the world. This is, this is the Christmas story. He gives a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son. Why? So that whoever believes this, Luke's going, you can be certain of this. Whoever believes this, listen, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The story of the gospel is that it's good news for all people, and it is a great joy. This is great joy. So the angels say to the shepherds, they sing, and the shepherds do this. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. These are shepherds. Their voice didn't matter. Now all of a sudden, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Right? So there's two people in the story. And then there's the God of the universe who moves heaven and earth to come be with us. That's the story of Christmas. Is that God brought the light. Right? He let put all the lights on. And it said the darkness could not overcome the light. He shined his light so we all could see it. So they go and point this, but Mary, it says, treasured up all these things. Oh, she paused, and it says this, and pondered them in her heart. That word pondered shows is more of a conversing. Her and God sat this, that first Christmas and treasured it up. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that had, they had heard and seen. Watch this. Once you see this, don't want you to miss this last words. Which were just as they had been told. God's word never fails. No word from God will ever, ever not return correctly. I want you to hear, for God so loved you, he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish. You hear that? That's no word from God will fail. You believe that. Can you walk in the certainty of that God left the lights on for you, did all the work? 
but you will not perish and have eternal life. And that is a good news of great joy for all people. And so there's two different responses. One is just receive it. So we've been talking for the last couple of weeks of what is it that God wants to when you see that God gives good gifts and the greatest gifts he gives are people, right? John the Baptist was a good gift for our world so that you could see the greatest gift, which was Jesus. Last week we talked about the best, the hardest thing to give is actually giving in, meaning surrendering. But here's what I want you to give today, and it's crazy. I want you to give God your very worst. Your very worst. You see, at our worst, God gave us his best, his son. So it's so crazy as we exchange our filthy rags for his righteousness. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So the reality is the only thing that's keeping you from God is just acknowledging that you were not with God and you chose your own plan other than God's, right? Just giving him your worst, going, God, I've just messed it up. And then hopping in the car and just being taken to the feet of Jesus. So that's what he wants you to do. And as I think about this, there's a lot of other people in our community that he also wants you to do that for. So uh, the band's going to come up. We're going to sing this song together. But the really neat thing is as you came in, you're handed this invite card. And you'll notice on the back, there's a, a, a pretty good empty space. And there's a reason for that. We actually want you to write someone's name, write actual um, <coughs> invite. Hey, John. Hey, Bill. Hey, Susie. Hey, Joe. been thinking about you and love for you to come hear the good news of great joy for all people challenge you to do that and say hey I'm going to be at the 5 o'clock you want me to save a seat for you I'm going to be at the 7 o'clock want me to save a seat for you I'm going to be at 9 o'clock at NLPC can I save a seat for you and perhaps 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 you can usher them into the front porch of their dad's house who's going to cut all the lights on and meet them where they are and so may we go declare this good news wherever we can like the shepherds may we go tell it on the mountain and so we're going to sing this song kind of as a proclamation and a conclusion for our service today Everywhere go, tell it on the mountain. 
of great joy and it's for all people and you're not crazy for believing it guys you're not crazy for believing that there's a God of the universe how in the world else do we get here who loved you so much that he decided to come and grab us out of the pits of hell and welcome us into eternity with him and may you be so generous so generous with this good news and great joy over the next few days as you prepare for the Christmas season now some of you are going I don't I'd like to believe that but I'm not sure how to actually go back to the father like the cab driver right how do you get there and here's an offer uh, one of the neat things is we got some folks right here to my right who would love the opportunity to kind of guide you in that. And go, hey, you're not sure exactly what words to say. Let, me, let us pray with you. So you got some stuff going in your life. Going, I don't know that I can give God my words. I don't even know if I believe He's there. As people are heading that way, right here to my right, there's some folks who would love to pray with you. If you're brand new here and like to know what's going on, or we'd love to uh, meet you and all that kind of stuff. On your way out, there's a little info center. If you give us your information, we'll give you a shirt. Really, really neat. Uh, five and seven o'clock Tuesday night here for Christmas Eve services. They're going to be about an hour, and then nine o'clock at NLPC. So uh, make sure to invite. And, and finally, um, if you're curious about that film, it's called The Ride. I do The Ride, colon, Chris, a, a Christmas Eve Parable by Dallas Jenkins. It's actually on Amazon Prime right now for free. So if you happen to have Prime, uh, then you can watch it. If not, you can download it for a couple bucks and share it wherever. But that, that's what that is. Other than that, you guys have a great rest of your week. And really, really hope to see you back here at Christmas Eve. <laughs>